0: The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. You have a life and a destiny that only you can fulfill, but to achieve your God given fulfillment, the man of God and the woman of God, after receiving definite direction from the Lord, must resist doubt and unbelief. As we walk with God, we begin to know him better, and we learn that he's not slack concerning any of his promises. So if you're facing a faith challenge, and we all do, I pray you will be strengthened out of Zion. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. When I first began public ministry, I had to learn to overcome spiritual resistance and an infirmity of losing my voice. After I'd gone by faith to Africa and had become a member of Reinhard Bonke's gospel team, I had an opportunity to preach one Sunday morning in Abidjan, the capital of the Ivory Coast. On the previous day, I began losing my voice, and by Saturday night, my voice was completely gone. That's spiritual warfare. And something kept whispering this thought. Don't even think about going to speak at that church tomorrow morning, because you'll make a fool of yourself when you stand up in front of the congregation and croak. The thoughts persisted. You'd better stay in your room and rest. But I whispered that in the name of Jesus, I would resist Satan and his suggestions to silence the gospel. So Sunday morning came and I was still voiceless. I knew this was a personal test of faith. And so I resolved within myself, I'm going to that worship service and I will give the message that the Lord has given me on the topic of the power of the blood of Jesus. And I said to myself, in Jesus' name, I believe that when I stand up to speak, I'm going to have my voice. Well, the pastor's car arrived to collect me, and the devil seemed to stand at the door and snarled, you little fool, you can't possibly hope that you're going to have a voice today. But I mouthed a whisper, it is written, I can do all things through Messiah who gives me the strength. And when we arrived at the church, I was so excited. My spirit leapt because the church was right across the street from a four-minaret mosque. And I felt an immediate resolve to strengthen that particular body of Messiah whose neighbors needed to meet Yeshua Messiah, Jesus, the world's Lord and Savior. And so as I sat on that platform, thoughts came to me. Well, soon you're going to make a public spectacle of yourself when you attempt to speak. You'd better signal now to the pastor for somebody else to preach. You'll never make it. I think most of us have discovered by now that discouragement is the devil's favorite tool. So let's not allow him to use discouragement against us. I'm telling you, every day is a battle to maintain watchfulness over our hearts and especially over our tongues concerning what we decree against ourselves or what we say in favor of divine health. Well, thank God I refused to listen to the spirit of doubt. And when I was called to the microphone, by faith I opened my mouth wide and the Lord filled it with a strong voice, strong enough for both the message and the ministry time afterwards, hallelujah. And many people came forward for salvation, healing, and ministry. And to think that the enemy of my soul had tried to rob me of this wonderful experience. Well, there are many preachers more gifted than I am, but I learned a long time ago that when God gives you a message to deliver, it's no good handing the microphone over to somebody else. God was requiring me to stretch my faith in that situation, to believe and trust in His power. And in this regard, in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians 4-7 is one of my favorite verses. Paul said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Our vessels are weak and assaulted from time to time by infirmities. But the treasure of the Holy Spirit within us is excellent and powerful. What happened to me in the Ivory Coast was an interesting operation of the Holy Spirit. God could have healed me instantly, but as soon as I left the church, the laryngitis returned, and I was healed in the natural progression of time. I had to learn to overcome that infirmity. And I believe the Lord granted an interlude of a strong voice for a couple of hours as a sign to honor my faith." A similar challenge happened many years ago at our ministry's first prophetic summons, a conference truly inspired by the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. There had been a dry wind called the Hamsin, which makes the air very dusty in the Middle East and so I had zero voice and worse still by time it was my turn to address the closing session in a hotel ballroom. The rabbi was coming to turn off the electrical sound system because the Sabbath had begun. Well I can assure you the devil took great delight in informing me that without a microphone I hadn't a hope that even my croaked attempt to whisper could be heard. All the other speakers had benefited from full use of the sound system. But now, because it was a Sabbath, I had to speak without amplification. The suggestion came to my mind, well, there are many ministers more anointed than you here. Why don't you just ask one of them to speak? They would love to speak. So you just relax, sit back, and enjoy the meeting. But you see, none of those guest speakers had been given the specific mandate that I'd been given for that conference that night. We must understand and learn that the Lord has an agenda for every meeting that He calls, and the Lord also has His chosen vessel to minister each time. Although I'd stayed on the sidelines many times and supported many others as they preached and ministered, that night the Lord had asked me to minister. In fact, He called me to hold that conference in the first place and with a very specific mandate to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on both the houses of Israel and Ishmael in preparation for the prophesied Isaiah chapter 19 highway. If you don't know about the Isaiah 19 highway, I've produced other videos on that topic at our website, and it concerns the highway of holiness and peace that will stretch in the future from Egypt through Israel and up into Assyria during the millennium when Jesus returns to rule this earth. This whole region will be linked together in a messianic league under the banner of the God of Israel and His Messiah. So, as I stood up to minister by faith, with no voice, suddenly a prophetic anointing fell upon me, unlike anything I've experienced before or since. And instead of speaking, I was very surprised that I had a voice to prophesy the entire message in prophetic song. Humanly speaking, it should have been more difficult to sing rather than speak, but the Lord broke through gloriously in that meeting, and it was one of the most exciting ministry times I've ever enjoyed for the kingdom of God. Many came forward for an impartation for the Million Souls campaign in the Middle East, And for the building up of the Isaiah 19 highway between Egypt, Israel, and as I said, Assyria, which God is recreating. God had wanted all of that deposited into the body of Messiah. This was back in the 1990s. We can think of many great ministers who are supersonic faith movers and shakers. But remember, they started out with the same measure of faith as anyone else. And the difference is that they were diligent to exercise their faith often in the presence of people breathing doubt and unbelief down their necks. Each one of us has to learn to walk by faith. As believers, concerning things that seem impossible, we may start off giving mental assent to the Word of God. True faith begins with a simple recognition, according to Hebrews 11.6, that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So step number one then is acknowledging that God is the sovereign Lord of this universe and He's in complete control of everything. We grow in faith and trust in the Lord because we learn the character of God. God's a rewarder as long as we do our part by diligently seeking him. And the things we learn to overcome we can potentially impart to others in healing. Many years later, I was speaking in a church in Scotland and a woman who had lost her voice for seven years regained her voice in that meeting and began to sing again. It was so wonderful to see her miracle of healing, to have genuine faith for it and to be a part of her healing. And we give the Lord all the glory because without his presence, we can't do anything anyway. Each time the Lord delivers us from evil, from sickness, from disease and afflictions and infirmities, we ought to celebrate His goodness. Along those lines, I've written a book on healing called Speak to the Mountain, and also one of my very favorite books on divine healing is now a classic by Andrew Murray, who had lost his voice for more than two years. God used that infirmity to force Andrew Murray to study what the Word of God teaches about divine healing. I greatly recommend study of his book, Divine Healing, because it's freely available as a PDF file on the internet. Is sickness a chastisement from God is one of the questions that he brought up in the book. A lot of people don't want to face this question, but I agree with Andrew Murray's assessment that sickness is always a discipline. It should shake us up and awaken our attention to sin so that we turn away from sin. A sick person should, first of all, examine himself or herself. And I'm not talking about just a physical examination, of course, but a spiritual examination by going to our Heavenly Father with a sincere desire to inquire if we've done anything to grieve him. After all, the Apostle Paul said that if we judge ourselves, we shouldn't be judged. Scripture assures us that if we examine ourselves, if we discern our sin, if the Lord points out something to us, and if we renounce the sin and call upon the Lord to help us to overcome it, because without his help, we may fail, the Lord won't judge us. In Jesus' atonement, we have both pardon and healing. We have forgiveness and wholeness as the two sides, the double cure of the Lord's redemptive work. When He heals us, He calls us to live a life of dependence upon Him in a greater measure of trust than before the sickness, because now we know that without His help and strength, we couldn't have functioned, and sometimes we just couldn't have survived. So I pray right now for you that the Lord will heal and touch you in the areas of your spirit, soul, and body. That's your weakest link to divine health. Amen. Well, Psalm 34 is one of my favorite go-to psalms in the Bible. And King David wrote Psalm 34 as an acrostic hymn, each verse beginning with the successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet And in this psalm, David celebrated one of the great deliverances of his life, and he mentors us to trust and believe God for deliverances. The psalm was written when David was in great trouble or danger, and so he earnestly sought deliverance, and God answered and sent his angel to save him. David was so grateful, and he called upon all who are afflicted to humble ourselves, by joining in the praises of God, because we also may experience a glorious deliverance. God's salvation is for the whole world, for anybody who'll call upon the name of the Lord. So listen to this psalm that's meant so much to me. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant in their faces, were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, this woman cried, and he saved him out of all of his troubles. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want, there's no lack to those who fear him. The young lions may lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good. Here's the key in verse 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile, telling lies. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This means that we have to be willing to deny ourselves a great deal in this life for the sake of peace. It's the constant practice of real believers to be peacemakers. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off even the remembrance of them from the earth. Verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Now, here's my rhema, this living verse that's helped me so many times. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of a righteous person, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The verb delivered here is the most often translated as delivered, but it can also mean in the Bible to be avenged as well. So this verse means that the person who's made righteous by the Messiah is delivered by God, is avenged by God, is saved, gains the victory, is helped and preserved. Isn't that marvelous? And then verse 20 goes on to say that God keeps all of his bones, Not only his soul, but his body and all of them. And not one is broken. Though he may be often afflicted, yet he won't be destroyed. So these words can be applied to a born-again believer in general, yet they have a further prophetic meaning because Psalm 34 is also a messianic psalm, meaning that none of Messiah's bones should be broken when he was put to death. Contrary to the usual custom of Those who were crucified by Romans, their legs were broken to hasten their death. But the Gospel of John informs us that when the soldiers examined Jesus on the cross, when they'd come to break his legs, he was already dead, so his legs were not broken. You see, one of the Levitical stipulations in the Bible of the Passover lamb was that none of his bones could be broken, and Jesus is the Lamb of God, hallelujah. Well, one of the lessons we learned from Psalm 34 is that we learn the power of praise. Praise shouldn't be just an occasional outburst, but it should be the rule of our lives. It's important to have regular, consistent times for adoration of God, such as our morning devotions, when we offer up thanksgiving for who He is, that He's unchangeable, that He's utterly trustworthy, merciful, all-wise, and powerful, that He's holy and just. And as we wait upon Him with expectancy, we remember the things that He's done for us in the past, and so we continually anticipate what He'll do for us in every circumstance of life. In times of sorrow and joy, in times of adversity and prosperity, in times of births and bereavements, We can thank Him for past deliverances and for supernatural security described also in Psalm 91 under the loving guardianship of God. You see Psalm 34, Psalm 91 as well as the New Testament speak of angelic protection in the lives of believers. Hebrews 1.14 testifies concerning angels. It says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them? who shall be heirs of salvation. Now, here is another important lesson from Psalm 34. As long as we're in this world, we're in a battle, and the righteous person won't be immune from troubles. We're certainly not exempt from encountering evil. However, the Bible promises that the Lord will rescue us. Why does God even allow His beloved children to go through this boot camp called life? Well, it's because all of us need purging. We need purifying and correction and chastening from time to time in order to rid us of the dross and defilement of sin. And we're not ever going to be wholly free from troubles as long as we reside in these human bodies of clay. In fact, Acts 14.22 declares that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God because all who purpose to live godly lives in the Lord are going to suffer persecutions. The Bible guarantees that. Like the captain of our salvation, Jesus, we're made perfect through all types of suffering, but the Lord delivers us out of them all when our afflictions, have accomplished their appointed purpose of purging or purifying or instructing or whatever purpose God wants to refine in us. Then he removes the afflictions. I know of a great man of God who's being used mightily in this hour, but for many years he suffered afflictions until he became humble enough to be able to carry the word of the Lord without pride. And then God raised him up to preach truth to our generation. Also, if you study the lives of people with healing ministries, almost all of them overcame some affliction, some great trial of faith, either in their childhood or later on in adult life, that they had to learn to overcome or to trust God to heal. So Psalm 34, 19, my verse, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him. Out of them all the commentaries say that this means in due time when it's the best time to be delivered we all want to be delivered now but in the meantime god will support us during our trials he'll watch us and the psalm teaches that he will also put an end to the affliction when he has sufficiently proven us So to sum up today, many are the afflictions of the righteous. This doesn't mean that the afflictions of a righteous person are going to be more numerous and more severe than the affliction of others, but it does mean that the righteous will be subjected to many trials over a lifetime. Belonging to God doesn't exempt us from suffering, but it does sustain us in our trials with a peace that passes all understanding. The presence of the Lord and the angel of the Lord support us when we call for help. Sometimes there will be trials, persecutions, unique to the righteous by virtue of our faith. And have you noticed increasingly genuine believers in God or hate it or considered a stench to the wicked? But the wicked will suffer more than the righteous, if not in this life, surely in the world to come. We just have to face it in the overall scheme of things in the history of the world a person's life here on earth consists of relatively few days and certainly relatively few years and those years are full of perplexities as well as joys disappointments as well as triumphs but also opportunities to learn how to be overcomers life is a boot camp for eternity but thankfully According to Psalm 3419, the righteous are taken under the special protection of the Lord. So today, the most important question is, how do we become righteous? How do we become the righteousness of God? Well, I'll tell you how. The Bible teaches that a divine exchange happened at the cross of Jesus. He bore our sin and sicknesses. And the good news of the gospel is this. If we put our faith in Jesus, Yeshua, as Savior and Lord and believe that God raised Him from the dead, we receive as a free gift His righteousness and eternal life. He covers us with His robe of righteousness. His sinless blood makes an atonement for our sins and washes us white and clean as the driven snow. Sinners actually become the righteousness of God, when the righteousness of Jesus is imputed to us. So it's my joy to invite you now to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. And the Bible promises that you will become legally righteous in God's eyes. For Romans 3.22 declares, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, there's no distinction. You'll be saved for eternity. And in this life, you'll enjoy the friendship of God. Amen. He becomes actually our Father. Now, as a watchman on Jerusalem's walls, I also want to invite you to contact me on the social media or at our website at exploits.tv where you can sign up to receive our updates and our free color magazine, Exploits. Based upon Daniel 11.32, the people who do know their God will be strong and carry out exploits. A reminder also that our Jerusalem Channel app enables you to watch all our videos at any time. You can download our Jerusalem Channel app to your mobile phone or tablet free of charge. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg, Shalom and Maranatha. It's hard to believe for me that it's been over 40 years now that I've been at least a spiritual citizen of the nation of Israel. Ever since my first visit to the Holy Land, it's been an intriguing and totally inspiring place to get to know the Bible better. And what a privilege it is to share these insights with you through the media of Jerusalem Channel. We now have over 300 weekly broadcasts to view online free of charge. And just recently, one of our channel streams logged over 8 million views. But bringing these programs to a global audience does cost money. And during the summer months, giving sadly goes down. Just at a time when we need to meet some of our biggest expenses to pay for the streaming services. I want you to know that we really appreciate your help to make the Jerusalem channel possible and to illuminate the Word of God in the context of the land and its people. You can give online at our website using credit or debit cards, or write to us. In the USA, your tax-deductible gifts can be sent to Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, 24402. And in the UK, our address is Box 109, Hereford, H.R. 4, 9XR, England. God bless you. Shalom from Jerusalem the very center of the world, and the City of God. Jerusalem is always inspiring to visit during the Jewish holiday, the Feast of Tabernacles coming up in September. And I'm personally inviting you to join us in the City of the Great King for five nights of joyful celebration. Exploits Ministry has planned a special tour package, including participation with thousands of Israelis and guests from all over the world in the annual Jerusalem March. So bring your flags, banners, and walking shoes. We'll also explore many of the ancient wonders and spiritual highlights around the city, and we'll have a time of feasting and celebration. Our tour package includes options to stay at two of Jerusalem's nicest hotels, the panoramic Dan Jerusalem on Mount Scopus, and the internationally famous and historic boutique American Colony Hotel, home of the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It's a Holy Land pilgrimage that you'll long remember. So plan now to come up to Jerusalem this September and join our Exploits ministry at the Feast of Tabernacles. For details, check out our website at exploits.tv.